The following was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic through Zoom meetings in accordance with local health guidelines. I'm Mike Maloney and welcome to the CSRM Tuesday Talk, a monthly roundtable discussion covering a range of relevant topics in ministry and current events. Let's join Dr. Greg Linville, Dan Stoffer, and Greg English as we hear from international experts in the fields of sports, recreation, and fitness ministry. So we're about officially ready to start, and now we can we can begin with some introductions. And we've got three co-conversationalists with us today. And I also want to call your attention to Dan Stouffer, who is spinning the dials in the background, and he and I normally are the ones that, that convene this time, but we've added a third person to our triumvirate. Uh, and that is Greg English. And so Greg and I will today kind of help us navigate this. And so Greg, welcome. Anything you'd like to say, Greg, before we get started? Uh, glad to be here. I think it's a good conversation on uh, just looking forward uh, with some, maybe some expect, ex expected and some unexpected of what God does in, in our ministry and in our own life. So uh, looking forward to the conversation with these guys today. And you've just gone recently yourself through even something that we're talking about. Yeah, so uh, I've been on staff here at Cool Spring for 12 years and as recreation minister and, and uh, had uh, several years overseas prior to that and just uh, transitioned to strategy and development role uh, where now I work with all staff in terms of fulfilling the mission and vision of the church and relating to each staff and area. So um, I've been doing that for about eight months now and uh, so it was an unexpected transition for me, but uh, something I just feel like the Lord uh, has, has opened up an opportunity for. And um, I had to work through that because, uh, as you know, uh, those of us who have done it for years, it's, uh, it's that identity piece that you have to work through and around and adjust to. But it's just saying yes to what God, God would have. So I have just kind of gone through that. Well, regret, we're very thankful for your faithfulness, and we're, we're really thankful that you're willing to join us on a regular basis with these Tuesday Talks. Let's just start with our panelists. And um, on my screen, the first one there is Neil Gossett, and then we'll go to Rich and Dave. And Neil, just uh, give us a little bit of an introduction to you and your journey. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, good to be here with everybody today. Uh, I've been looking forward to this time. Uh, I've been on staff. I'm at Southeast Christian Church here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's a very large church, and I've been on staff here about 23 years. And uh, for about, oh, um, 20 of it, roughly 20 of it, I was in sports ministry. I started out in a position in sports ministry, then I moved in a short time after uh, to be the head of sports ministry. So I'm, I'm super passionate passionate about sports ministry. I've done several different roles here at Southeast, including I've been on our leadership team, and I'm now campus pastor of our 
uh, our main campus at Flankenbaker, which is our, our regional campus. So that's me. Uh, honored to be here with you guys today. Looking forward to our time. Rich. Okay, first of all, Neil, that's impressive. Wow, that's, that's good. Well, I uh, have been a part of CSRM for a long time, uh, almost since its beginning, maybe the couple of years after I got started or whatever, but I started sports ministry. Uh, my name is Rich Green, by the way. I started sports ministry with Fellowship Christian Athletes for nine years, directed their national conference center in West Central Indiana, and then was a sports and rec pastor at Mount Pleasant Christian Church on the south side of Indianapolis for about 17 years uh, and did various leadership roles in that assimilation and evangelism along with sports and rec. And so a lot of diverse leadership training, which moved me into some other areas and then came down to Colleyville, Texas uh, in 2011. So celebrating a 10 year anniversary here in Colleyville uh, as their campus pastor and do a variety of leadership roles there, including men's ministry and marriage ministry with my wife, Patty, and celebrate recovery. And so real diverse leadership that all started because of really what God trained me up in and taught me through sports and rec ministry. So. And David. Yeah, my name is Dave Bundrick and uh, I'm here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, I was in full-time sports ministry for 20 years and, um, yeah, at 16 years old, I felt God calling me to the ministry and specifically sports ministry. So my church had a gym and um, yeah, so so I just I thought I would be doing sports ministry my entire life that, you know, that that was my calling and that was it. So um, <clears throat> over those 20 years, I served at three different churches um, and then um, and then one year um, trying to launch a sports uh sports clubs and ministry here in Colorado. Um, so that didn't, uh, didn't take off, but um, God moved me into an opportunity here at Trace Church as executive pastor. And for me, that was a real shift um, <clears throat> because I was like, am I betraying my original calling that I felt at 16 years old uh, to sports ministry? Um, it, and so if I, if I leave sports ministry to pursue, to serve in another capacity, um, yeah, am I betraying that calling? And, and I really wrestled with that uh, for a while. So I don't know if if, um, if that resonates with anyone else, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit of my story. Well, as you can see, we've got some some great folks here. They've got a, a, a whole lifetime worth of, of experiences. And I wanted to lay a little bit of the groundwork for us. And it has the, there's a couple things that I think don't first resonate with us when we first start out in, in these ministry positions. And what I'd like to share with you is some basic that we know of, but this whole area is so under-researched that it's hard for us to put specific uh, data. But what we have found in very unofficial ways is that about 10% of the people that start off as a sports minister retire as a sports minister. And that about 50% of those who are hired in a local church as a sports minister gets through the tenure of a second senior or lead pastor. 
and less than 25% get through the third senior pastor. Now, what does that mean? It means that you're hired by somebody and that person's probably not going to fire you because if they do, they're admitting they made a mistake to hire you or they make a mistake in firing you. And typically you're the same age or a little younger than they are. And there there's the salaries lower and there's all these other reasons why you're probably gonna, if you're doing a good job, you're going to stick around. The second person comes in and they change certain things. If they don't change, in fact, they don't change a lot of things. And so it's rare that you're going to have somebody that goes through that second. It's not rare. It's about 50, 50. But then when you get to that third one, it, it, it's, you're older, you're making a lot more money. Uh, the community knows you. There's all these things that come into these complications. And so we want you to know that there's a couple things here, just basically that are in all of our futures, if you will. And so today we're trying to get to the bottom line of some of how can we address those things. So to the panel, any of you three, any of you conversationalists, anything that I just said there, just what, what strikes you or what's your experience with that? Well, I'll go ahead. Um, you know, I, I think the number 10% is incredibly encouraging in some ways because that means that we are pre preparing pastors for other areas of service within our church. And I think that's really, really exciting and encouraging. But on the flip side, it's incredibly discouraging because that means your death rate is about 90 percent. So you, you you take that in consideration of where are they going. So one of the challenges that I would I would um, <clears throat> consider in this is who is going to carry that torch on and keep sports ministry vibrant and growing within your churches. And if only 10 percent are sticking sticking around we've got to figure out a way as sports pastors. So I think the numbers are, are very encouraging and they're very discouraging. And it is our job as sports leaders and leaders in ministry to make sure that, that sports ministry continues on, whether you have a transition of a senior pastor or not. I think that's all critical to the, to the future of sports ministry. So I, I'll throw that out to kind of start off. That's a great point about that you've got to develop the leadership that follows you. Excellent. Others? Well, you're either muted or you, uh, there you go. Go ahead, Rich. I'll go. You know, I think in any area of ministry, uh, you know, the mark of leadership is that you breed other leaders. And so I think part of the onus is not only on those that have gone before, uh, but also those that are coming up, uh, think about Dave Bunder, who said at 16 years old, I've, I feel like I have something I would do. I think there are people out there uh, that might have a heart for this, but are we doing our job looking back down and leading the participants, volunteer leaders, uh, you know, maybe other staff members that are in a different role that might have a heart for this, but are we preparing and tilling the soil? Kind of like what Neil said, but are we being intentional about building the next generation that can carry the torch, as Neil said, that can, uh, that has the passion and we help them get to where they want to go. I think as, as I look at this Zoom call and the, the breadth of ministry life that's in this room, I think it's part of our onus to make sure that we have done our job to leave well when God calls us out of sports ministry. 
I mean, I, as you guys know who know me, I was in and out of sports ministry a lot at Mount Pleasant doing other leadership things, but always made sure we had something uh, that it was cared for if I wasn't there because I was still passionate about whether the church needed me to do sports and rec ministry or not. I was still passionate. And so I just felt the burden making sure there's always someone coming behind that we're pouring into uh, to keep the ministry strong and vibrant, uh, as, as Neil said. David, any thoughts about it? Um, basically, I'd be reiterating what uh, Neil and Rich said. Uh, you know, I think that the measure of your, your leadership um, is uh, the sustainability of, of the ministry. At, you know, if God calls you on, um, does, that, does that ministry, um, is it sustained? Does it continue? Does it even thrive? And, um, and that's not an insult to us. That's, that's, a, that's a compliment. Um, and so whenever I've, I've left, you know, I've left um, three ministries. And so I was always encouraged to see those um, thrive and continue on. And, and, um, and that was exciting. And, and when they don't, when they struggle, that's, that's frustrating. And maybe a little bit of, um, you know, an indictment on, on me or us um, that we didn't do as good enough job uh, setting that ministry up to succeed so yeah just always you know whether it's on your radar or not that god might be moving you on you should always be um equipping and empowering those around you um because uh, you never know what what may happen and you're not able to serve in that capacity anymore and and you want that to continue on we, we don't pour our lives into these ministries just to see them die once we're done right so you want to see those continue on hey greg i i would also add to kind of piggyback off of what david's saying a little bit um i had i have a grown son now who moved out to oregon he's working at the nike headquarters out in beaverton he was in town for um christmas so he and myself and uh my other son the three of us went out to dinner one night and I got in the car on the way home and I recognized our, the majority of our conversation at dinner and on the way home revolved around their community here at church. And a lot of it had to do with our sports ministry. So again, I would just kind of, kind of piggyback it off what David said. I think it ties in as well. It is our job to be an ambassador for family so that they see the value because Sometimes people don't even think about it, and they think all we do is just throw a ball out and play games. But we're really developing, and again, kind of going with what Rich is saying about a pipeline of young leaders, they can come right within your own ministry. So I think it's our job to be ambassadors as well, not only to our staffs, but to families, and to get them to see the value in what sports ministry brings. Yeah, I would agree with uh, each of those. I think about uh, the stories each of you guys have done, and I, I see Danny Downing down there driving his vehicle, so don't talk or raise your hand. But, you know, there's another guy that produces uh, influence on, on people. And I think just in my transition, you know, I had a guy that, you know, worked with me for seven years. And could we have gone out and find somebody else? Sure. But yet to have somebody right there that, that lived in it, understood it, to be able to pass that on and now watch that. It's, it's a pure joy as a, as a disciple maker to be able to experience that with people too. Uh, so I have several questions I want to ask, but I, 
I'll try to narrow, narrow them down a little bit uh, in terms of your transition. Uh, just a little bit, uh, one of the things, did, did you wrestle with uh, the first conversation that you were approached about a change? I, I remember going, going back years, you know, we've all had about 20 years in sports ministry. And, and really, I, I had the opportunity of filling Rich Green's shoes at, at CSRM. And, and who knew what that was going to be like, right? But there was this guy who was strong and boisterous at all these meetings, and yet he was leaving. And I, I remember thinking, why would a guy ever leave sports ministry? That's, that's dumb. Who, who would ever do that? Like, we have it the best. And I've often reflected about that, that concept. Like, well, if Rich can do it and, and, and you guys can do it, then I'm not off my rocker, Dave. Like, yeah, I'm not losing my calling kind of thing. But what was that first initial shock factor like for you guys in terms of, like, uh, I'm not really sure. I can't believe this has actually happened. I will unmute while I think. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's uh, it's kind of, it's a classic bittersweet movement in ministry that that you feel honored that the church has asked you to do something different. But you have poured a lot of who you are into uh, the development. I mean, our sports ministry at Mount Pleasant started from absolutely nothing, and uh, and before I left, before I left Mount Pleasant. Um, we had built about a $5 million sports and rec facility. And so you see that and you think, and why would I come down to Texas? But, you know, I think God just, it's being sensitive to leadership of the Lord. It's that if you're trusting God in the journey while you're in the midst of the heat of the battle of running a sports and rec ministry, which is chaos uh, most of the time at best uh, with all the variables you deal with, you got to trust him with the future. You got to trust that he knows what he's doing and as others identify your giftedness and your passions and can see those bettering the kingdom by moving you somewhere else, then you trust him with that. And then it goes back to what David and Neil are saying and stuff is, okay, so leave well. Start well, leave well. And what am I going to do to leave well? But I think there's a, there's a bit of I miss this, but there's always that new, something new in your life that you're like, wow, God, what do you have next? If this was so grand in my life and my kids were raised in sports and rec ministry environment, and now they're in college or out of college or whatever, then you must have something even better. And so you just continue to trust them on that journey. Um, and, and real quick, I know I'm rambling here, but people ask, do you miss Indianapolis? Because I grew up there, lived there 51 years of my life, 10 years here in Dallas. And I said, I never pine for what was in the past. I never look back and say, boy, I wish I could do that again. I just trust that God it knows a little more than I do. And uh, maybe just a little bit. And so he's, He's going to move me where he needs me, and, and he has brought great fruit in this new season of ministry. So, um, I'd say it's been a tough transition in some regards because you go, um, you know, you go from day to day having this hands-on experience to it, that is removed. And I don't know what it's like to be a professional athlete, uh, but I can't imagine – you know, football player, basketball player, baseball player, and suddenly just not playing the game anymore. Uh, and, it, and it feels a little like that, I think, for me. I was fortunate because Fortune Fitness has stayed under me uh, in my transition within my leadership. So I still have a hand on it, but it's very, very different. And so, um, you know, I, I, I would often, I would see, uh, I've, I've, 
been friends with Rich a long time and I've seen his transition and I would sit back sometimes and think, man, I, I bet that's been difficult on Rich and to see what he has done. And, and now I'm living that. So there is a, uh, guys, I, I'm sure Dave and Rick would agree with this. It, it's, there's almost like a grieving process to a certain extent because it's such a vital part. And again, I, I resonate with Bundry about his calling uh, it, it really is a calling to be a sports pastor. It's, it's not an easy job. It's tough. But um, when you do leave, it's almost like, man, eh, there's a lot of pride um, associated with that. But I'm grateful. And I, and I still feel like I go back to what I said a minute ago. I have an obligation to keep being an ambassador for this ministry. And I always will. That, that part, I feel like, is my next calling in sports ministry. Yeah, um, just to add to uh, Rich and Green, <clears throat> yeah, um, when I was at my last church and still in sports ministry, the, the lead pastor came to me or come to me and asked me to consider uh, being a campus pastor. And um, for me, that was, uh, that was a pretty easy no thanks. It was very honoring for sure, but you kind of know yourself, right? You, you need to know yourself, what your giftings and passions are and what you're going to be um, yeah, just able to pour your life into. Um, and so, so that's honoring when maybe you have another opportunity presented to you. But I'd say, you know, you just, you just need to know yourself and how God has wired you and made you. Um, and, you know, not just jump at another opportunity opportunity because the pay is better or the prestige is better or you move up on an org chart or whatever um but but understand yourself but um yeah i did go through a good bit of, of grieving because um you know after the pastor had uh, mentioned that opportunity to me and i i respectfully declined to not put my name in that in that hat um about a year later i then left the church to move here to colorado which was a dream come true for me uh, to live in Colorado and um, and just really go out and and still do sports ministry, but for the first time, not under the umbrella of the local church. And um, and I on, honestly, I just fell flat flat on my face. That did not work out as I had hoped, and um, and that was hard. And I'm I'm not. I, I wasn't able to handle it like Rich. I I looked back. That was that was hard for me. I looked back. I was like, man, what have I done? I I left a dream situation. You know, when I told my boss that I was gonna move on, um, he gave me a year to stay in transition, and he said, Dave, you can stay here the rest of your life. You're you're good. You're doing a great job. If you wanted, you could stay here. Um, and so for me, I. Yeah, I mean, that was security and comfort. I was um, respected and given great autonomy and freedom in that. But um, I just felt like I, I didn't want to coast the rest of my life. You know, I didn't just want to ride that. <clears throat> and so um, so it was, it was a challenge. And, um, and God used Erwin McManus's book, Chasing Daylight. So if anybody needs uh, something to read, it, it took me several years to read that because I'd start it and then put it down. I just couldn't handle what God was speaking to me through that book. Um, but for me, there was, there was grieving 
And, um, and even now I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at and where I'm serving. And I can see how God is using my gifts and abilities and my personality to serve where I'm at. But, uh, but, but I often, you know, I look back, I'm like, man, those days in sports ministry were so awesome. You know, just serving in ministry with great friends and seeing God do incredible things. So I, I don't know the takeaway necessarily. So Dan, good luck pulling a takeaway out of all that, <laughs> but, um, you know, just appreciate what you've got. And I would say, you know, don't go looking for something. Um, at my last church, I, I got the chance to visit with, uh, he's considered the first mega church pastor in the country, Dr. John Bassanio. And I remember one thing he said to me was, um, don't ever self-promote. Let, let God promote you. Just <clears throat> you work diligently where you're at and with all excellence and, and don't be looking for other opportunities. Let God bring those to you. Um, leaders and decision makers are, are pretty discerning and they see that. And, um, and so yeah, they pay attention to those details. Hey, uh, Dave, a couple things. One is, uh, I know it seems like we were just talking about leaving and transitioning, but one of the things that uh, I was 50 and a 30 year old told me this and it just was an aha moment was, are you being kind of what you're saying? Are you being pulled towards something? Or are you running from something? And I think that's a real distinction. Uh, is God pulling you towards something new? Or are you running from something because life got a little rough or, or complacent even or whatever. And also fill in the gap for all of us, I guess I don't. So you left and you went and did this thing, parachurch thing, it sounded like, and now what are you, what are you doing? I don't know if I caught that. So. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. Um, a sports ministry organization offered me you know, dream opportunity and then um, just some things changed with that organization. And so the funding um, ran out about two years early <laughs> on that. Um, and so now um, I was, I'm now executive pastor at the church that I, we, my family and I had chosen to attend. So for the first time in my life, I joined the staff of the church that I've already been attending. Um, and that was unique to me. So, um, yeah, as my ministry, sports ministry here in Colorado was struggling, the church I was attending was, was blooming and, and uh, just really doing well. And I, I saw that they had a need. I said, hey, um, I think I could help out. So, so like the rest of us, you could care less about sports ministry. That, oh, I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> Uh, you know, all those comments, I think about each one that just even my story going through the moment that my boss brought me in one day and said, you ever thought about doing anything else? And I said, no, this is what, this is who I am. This is what I do. I am considering it. You know, I, I would, I, I would teach at a collegiate level if I did. And, and uh, he said, well, this is what I'm thinking. It was like three. I mean, I spent four or five months processing, wrestling through identity and well, this was my call. And well, how am I going to let go of, 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 you know, not be in the gym all the time. And Neil, my situations like yours somewhat that, that, you know, it was kind of understanding that I'm still a part of sports ministry, just at a different, different role and, and input into it. But a lot of that's transitional, but I, uh, I think about where God was taking gifts, talents, abilities, experiences. And I know Greg and I have talked about this several times. Uh, and some other question is um, the question would be, what are those gifts and abilities and talents that, You've, you've taken from or had as a recreation sports minister into your role now. 
Because I do think, I think one of the reasons why 10% number is there is because as a sports and rec minister, the, 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 the leadership capability, the training, the managing of the program, time management, the scheduling, the functionality, the strategy, the vision processing. As a sports and recreation minister, we do so much of that, that it's almost like a natural fit that a senior pastor, an executive pastor on a staff would say, you know, we're moving in this direction. I've seen that in you. I've watched that in you. I'm inviting you to come be a part of that. So in that storyline, what are the things that you learned or you experienced there that you see working now in the role that you're in, in terms of your leadership skills, giftedness that have come out of sports and rec? And while we're waiting for you guys to respond to that, if anybody on, on this wants to ask a question, just chat, uh, Greg or myself, we'll, we'll ask some of these questions as we have time. And just to let you know, we've got another 40 or 45 minutes here. We're going to continue to walk through. So your questions are very important to us. And please do check the chat room uh, because the there's a lot of these connections, like the book that was mentioned, the hyperlink is there, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you get on the chat room to look at this stuff. And for those of you that have joined later here, please do introduce yourself to us via the chat room and let us know where you are and what you're doing. But uh, if, if security is an issue, of course, feel free not to do that. All right, so now to Greg's question, to the co-conversationalists there. Go ahead, anybody. Um, well, I'm unmuted. I'm, I'm staying unmuted. These two guys <laughs> mute themselves. I guess they want to hear themselves talk. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> I, I think Ford Ministry, PTU, you know, at Greg, as you're saying, many things to prepare you for the next step. The one, the number one thing that I think it, it does, it, it really helps us advance our our churches or our organizations wherever we're serving. Um, I really think outreach is something that is is very vital for a sports minister. That is something that's super passionate on my my heart. Our church is driven for disciple making, and I have a, a very strong passion that I I firmly believe you've got to be able to have a good foundation for outreach in order to properly make, you know, to make disciples. And so uh, I love that aspect of sports ministry. Another one that I will add that I think is really helped me is the ability to deal with conflict. There is always conflict in sports ministry and there's a, there's a biblical way to handle conflict. And then there is the uh, just a secular way to handle uh, conflict and quite frankly sometimes the secular way is fine but but a lot of times it's not and um, we always know that the biblical way is always the right way and in, in dealing with issues at at our church or social issues some of the things that you guys are going to be talking about uh greg you'd mentioned um racial reconciliation you're going to be talking about that next month um some of those things are all natural for a sports pastor and help us be equipped to do those to help advance our church. So those, those would be the ones I would highlight guys. What do you all, what do you all have? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just our necessity to organize, you know, just ability to organize things. So have great organization, great systems uh, translates to, to any ministry. <clears throat> I see a lot of sports ministers go into um, executive pastor role. I think that's because, we learn how to manage our budgets well, right? And um, 
and as you guys know, unique to many other ministry areas, we don't just manage expenses, we manage revenues as well. And we have to forecast and plan. And so, um, so becoming very good money managers um, gets noticed and translates to, to many other aspects of, of ministry and service. And then our, our ability to equip and empower others. Um, you learn early on, you, you can't, you can't be at every practice. You can't be at every game day. Um, you know, you, you want to, and it's great when you can, but you've, you've got to, um, you know, you've got to <clears throat> protect your family and, and your own personal life. And so, so we learn as sports ministers, we learn how to equip and empower and, and let go of those things. And, and those skills learned in sports ministry translate well to many other areas of ministry. Dave, I want to say just uh, real quick, Rich, before you speak, um, that I was using the, uh, the uh, metrics uh, that you put together years ago on touches in sports ministry. Uh, and I was meeting actually with our, our group's pastor, and I was saying, let's look at the, at the definitive groups that are there, but let's look out at the touches that are taking place in order to create new groups that may be in that. And so I walked right back through um, just that metric system of what you talked about of how to get those ministry touches. And I recommend to anybody, if you haven't seen that, uh, that's a good system that, that Dave used uh, and, and kind of came up with for, for himself, and we all stole it from him was just that metric of what are, what are the ministry touches happening in, in that. So, Dan, I don't know if you can find that. I think it's in several of our resources and publications. But interesting how even now for me, I went to that resource to drive a group's pastor to say, let's see where we can develop new groups out of touches that are already happening. So, all right, Rich, go ahead. Well, yeah, and I, I think real just quick, real quick. Go ahead. Real quick. Very ironically, the lead pastor I report to now cannot read a chart. He, he like <laughs> so i spent all this time put together these fancy graphs and everything and he's like i don't want to see the graphs just give me the percentage Bundrick, you do realize that we're recording this right <laughs> i'd like to go on record as saying that's the only lead pastor in america that acts that way so. yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I think along the same lines about the whole empowering, I think what, what we learn in sports and rec ministry is team building. We learn how to build teams. And I think that's one of the things that people have seen in me that I love doing. And as a campus pastor, uh, right now in Colleyville, it's our largest campus. We have five campuses. Pre-COVID, we're running about 7,000. Uh, but, but I have the largest campus. And, and uh, I want to say two things that we learned. Uh, but the first one is to build teams. I've got different team leaders and I'm pouring into them and they're pouring into their teams. Uh, and so my heart, my philosophy, uh, my thoughts on what makes a healthy and strong team is very critical to the, to the health of the teams, the student ministry, the children's community, whatever it is on the Colleyville campus. So that's a, that's a big thing. And then as I was thinking, I think what we learned too, is we learned uh, how to submit to authority and how to lead 360 degrees. Uh, because uh, I've always been a, a big fan of Maxwell's done it, Bill Hybels has done it. Uh, but, you know, we, we always think of leadership as leading down, but as sports and rec pastors, which literally drives the train in a lot of churches and evangelism, uh, we need to lead up and we need to lead our peers uh, in those ways. But I think about my unique situation 
and how my background has helped me. I've always told young sports and rec pastors, if you're not on the same page with your senior guy, you're in trouble. If you don't have the same vision that he has, you're in the wrong place. You need to go somewhere else or you need to figure out how to get on board. Doesn't mean you don't champion your thoughts and your causes, but you've got to be in sync with the lead guy. And so our campus pastors on the other campuses, they're the top dog. They do their thing. And whatever they do pretty much goes. I've got three execs and a lead guy on my campus. And so am I really in charge? I mean, you know, so, but I, but because of my background and my maturity, I guess, in ministry, I've been able to navigate that to be very influential in what happens on the Colleyville campus. But I think we learn all that stuff from having, you know, there are people that want sports and rec ministry in the church. They're like, why are we wasting money on all this kind of stuff? And, and, and it's just, it's, it's just wasted time. Like I think Neil, you said something, we just throw balls out, but there's a lot of leadership growth that happens within us and within those that we get a minister to and with that helps us to lead up and to lead our peers within the church, whatever our role ends up being. So. Guys, this is, this is really great information. And I'm thinking we're all gaining and learning from it. I've got a couple thoughts for you. Some of the, Another one of these data points that we've become aware of is that we said, okay, about 10% retire as a sports minister. That means 90% of us go and do something else. And we want people to know that there are four typical ways that people exit out of doing sports ministry. The first we're not going to spend any time with because uh, this just – isn't something that we like to talk about, but it's sin. It's, it's that people stop following Jesus in one or more areas of their life and they, they go out of ministry. Okay. And so we're, we're not going to go there other than say, don't do that. <laughs> but the, the other three are that they would, they would move to a secular role, a secular position, a secular, something outside of ministry in the church. And what we find is that a lot of the reasons that they do that is because of economics. Sports ministers don't get paid a lot. They come into the ministry highly in debt for a college education. They've married somebody that had equal amount of debt from college education. And, and, and we just admonish everybody to get their financials solid. Spend less than you make. Tithe is a starting point all these things that you need to do. And what we find is particularly the folks that are exiting out at the ages of 50 or 55, they have no retirement. And they say, I got to go work secular so I can get a retirement. And so don't let finances take you out of ministry into a secular position when you're hoping to be able to continue to go in this, in this ministry. The third reason then is that they have a call to a different ministry. They're, they're called to the paraministry world um, or that they're called to another position within the church. And so these are obviously positive things. And sometimes the secular world can be positive too for other reasons. But the question that I would then base, uh, all this is what I'm basing my next question on for the, for our conversationalists, and that is, what what is it that all of you have moved into another area of ministry, another level of ministry, 
And what is it that you did? Was it that you went and went to the seminars and got your certification or you went and got a, a master's degree or you built relationships or you personally developed your skill set? What, what's your experiences uh, that has enabled you to move into different places of, of ministry? What can a 25-year-old or a, even a 45-year-old who's a sports minister and starting to feel this, what would you advise them to do to be prepared for that next step in ministry? Well, I'll start here. I'll tag on what I just said. I think you got to be loyal to the leadership of your, of your, of your church. You, you, you know, the, when you're young and, 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 and you're, you're full of life and you're new in ministry and you think you got all the answers. I mean, I know I sound like the old white guy on here, but I am, but I think there is, there is things that you've got to understand that it all starts with loyalty to move anywhere vertically in ministry is because people identify you as loyal. They identify you with both feet in the water. You're not trying to do a side, uh, you know, a side hop or, or sideways energy on some ministry that's not been not approved, but not, you know, not been really what the church wants you to be doing. So you're faithful to the job you've been called to do. You're loyal to the leadership. You're a person of great integrity. Uh, and, and, and my son is, is a officer in Marines for 10 years now, which sounds crazy, but graduated the Naval Academy in Annapolis. And he always, he said, dad, you want to get noticed, but you want to get noticed for the right stuff. So, <laughs> so get noticed by leadership for being the kind of the sports analogy, the first one in the gym and the last one out and the one that hits the floor when the ball hits the floor and those, those kind of sports analogies get noticed for being a person who's going to move the mission of the church and the kingdom forward. And God will ordain those steps uh, like you've never dreamed of. So, Yeah, I would say um, read books kind of outside of your, your sweet spot um, and, and learn. So whether it's podcasts, <clears throat> books, whatever, but learn outside of, um, yeah, just kind of what's natural. And I'm not saying work to become a well-rounded person, you know, but, um, but challenge yourself to think other ways. And then um, if, if you're in a church that has other ministers on staff, um, help set them up to succeed. Get, get to know them and what does a win look like for their ministry and how can your ministry partner with them be a, be a team player and I don't mean that in just some cheesy or um, but but really see the bigger picture don't don't just think of um, my ministry has to win at all cost and that's all that matters see the bigger picture try to look at things from the lead pastor's perspective and and make make him look good um, set him up to succeed. And, and those things really, uh, and, and don't brag about it. Uh, again, senior pastors, lead pastors are perceptive people and, and they see those things. They see a lot more than, than we think they see. So just be diligent, lead your ministry with excellence and, um, and just be focused on that. Be focused on the calling that God has placed in front of you. Don't, don't um, don't be leading this ministry, but all the time your eyes are set on something else. Be present where you're at. Um, I think I, I would go a little bit 
different direction with my response. Um, as I said earlier, I think it's our job to be ambassadors for our ministry. I, I think it's our job to be ambassadors for people to help them to develop and grow. But a big part of what we do, we have to develop ourselves. And so um, my approach would probably be a little different because this is, I've done a lot of things wrong in ministries over the years. But one thing that I did do right and I can look back on. So I would answer this. If you're under 30, this is how I will respond to you. If you're over 30 and you're late, as Greg kind of teed up later in your career, you know, it's the old adage, the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. The second best time is today. So um, my, my thing would be you do everything you can to develop yourself. You get, you see areas that you are gifted at and get involved. I, a simple thing early on in my career, I got started um, doing baptisms at our church. Uh, not necessarily something that sports ministers required to do, but I started doing them. And then I started helping serve on our connections team. And then I helped with children's and all these things, having no idea that they were developing me to make me more effective as a pastor. So I always tell um, young pastors what, when they ask me, what it, what, what's the best thing that you can do to develop me as a pastor? I say, you should approach your daily walk as what a fireman does. And when there's a building on fire, everybody's running out. The firemen are all running in. That's what you need to do to be an effective minister. When you see someone going through a crisis, through a death, a hardship, whatever it might be, you run to them. Don't, don't sit back and think, I don't know what to say. Because all those things develop you as a pastor, as a, as an overseer of your church. So I would encourage you to get involved in, in those things to, to make yourself more well-rounded. And then the last thing I would say, I think Greg is exactly right. I'm going to be 50 in May and I'm grateful that I have prepared. I've set money aside to retire. That's, and I will continue to do that. Invest in yourself and, and be a wise steward with yourself because so many people aren't. And, it, it's sad to me that as we talk about this, it, it's kind of a knock on sports pastors that don't do some of these things. We should do those things. So that's how I would answer the question. Uh, Greg, Greg we're, this stuff is just dripping with wisdom. Uh, there's a lot of lines here that the uh, quotes that are just solid. We're getting some great things here. Again, if you have a question, just uh, text us there at the chat room. Either Greg, Greg or myself. Can I say one? Can I say one last thing about this? At uh, least, dripping uh, wisdom here—not mine, but from our lead guy. You can wrap all this stuff up that we're talking about. Never lose the wonder of serving God. Never lose the wonder of the opportunity He gives you to serve Him. And a lot of the other stuff, as we say, is just are just details. If we're focused on serving Him and appreciative and thankful with our attitude towards ministry. And the opportunities we get, the good, bad, and the ugly, got to take care of it. So. Hey, that's that's such a good word because there are a lot of things that can come at us that are frustrating, even dealing with day-to-day -day league stuff or whatever it might be. Why does this guy act like an idiot on the court or whatever it might be? But to Rich's point, that is a great opportunity for us to invest in and grow someone that we may not otherwise. So I, that's such a good word, Rich. I appreciate you saying that, and I think you're, you're dead on. And, it, and it's particularly there, Neil, when that idiot on the court is your senior pastor and you've got to yeah. try to figure out how to deal with that. And that and that's happened to me, actually. Mm -hmm. 
in the past. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we, we have these things that we have to work on, don't we? The, yeah. Folks, again, send us your questions. Uh, we do have a question that's coming up here in a second for the, for the guys. But I, I want us to also understand that sometimes the reason we don't get promoted within our own church is because we don't speak theologically enough. And sometimes it's because we don't know theology. And what we would encourage you to do, and it's part of why CSRM has created a master's level uh, for sports outreach ministers, and we have our own certification so that these are the kinds of things that, that you can actually speak about. And when you go into your senior pastor or your elder board or who, your personnel committee, you can talk about soteriology or missiology or any of those other things. And, and they say, wow, this person doesn't just throw a ball out, but they really understand how we're actually doing this mission. And so preparing ourselves for these moves upward are very important. Now, the question that has been asked here for you guys is how do you supervise your replacement? Some of you have moved into this new level and how do you actually then supervise? And how, what, are the, what are the pitfalls there? Because they don't do it just like you did. Or uh, just speak to that because you've said, okay, we've moved to a different position. We still oversee it. Do you still play? Do you still compete? How, how do you interact now that you're not the senior sports person? So a lot of you guys out here know Ray Marsh, and we've been buddies since college. And uh, he, he kind of, when I stepped into other roles, he, uh, he took over the sports ministry at Mount Pleasant. We had just built this new facility. And uh, something Andy Stanley said in the book that uh, kind of rocked my world is, I'm probably still very brash, as you guys know, but, you know, I was younger and less bridled, um, was pretend you're not the smartest guy in the room. And so you have to lead with humility. I think from our perspective, you have to lead with humility and know that if you've given over, you've given the keys to the kingdom over to this next person. And, and what to David's point and, and some of what Neil's saying, you have to empower them and you have to let their, you know, if they come to you, great. If you see things that are going to be a pitfall, it's it's the onus is on you to make sure you protect the ministry, uh, and and how you do that, of course, speaks volumes. But I think it's a matter of just giving giving them ownership and 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 realizing that the fact it's not your way doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, and I learned that uh, when I directed the FC National Conference Center as a 25 year old with a, a five million dollar facility, not. I was a criminology degree in sociology, not restaurant, hotel management, not business manager, anything. And I had to order food for all these camps, all these FCA camps and all the churches. And I had to realize my personal preference can't rule here. It was a great learning tool that God just kind of <laughs> planted in my heart. I know it sounds dumb, but if I did what I wanted, we'd have hamburgers and fries for every meal. I mean, that's what we would have done, you know, and pancakes, every, you know, so it's, it's, Realizing that you've got to get your personal preferences out of ministry, empower that next person, and understand that, that, that you're not the smartest guy in the room. They have a lot to give, and so you bless them by giving them the opportunity to give of their gifts and talents and passions. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree with Rich. I think it is our job that we have to step back and 
you know, the personal preference is important, but at the same time, this person, I have to believe that I've developed someone and God has put them in this place. It is their, their place to lead now. And that means I'm going to challenge my new leader with some different things. But if they, and I will preface a lot of times when I'm, when I'm leading them saying, Hey, if, if this is, this is how, what I would do if you're asking my opinion, but I would love to hear, you know, or I would actually lead with, tell me what you would do with, and then I might respond, this is how I would do it, but I support whatever you do. And then you do it. You don't just su- say you're going to support them and then go slap them and say, oh, that's not what you should have done. You have to be supportive. And But I think Rich has got hit the nail on the head. Our, our personal preferences can't, can't lead. That's poor leadership. And if that's how we lead, then we're not, we're not doing our job as leaders. So I echo what he's saying. I just think it's important. You have to mentally prepare yourself that this is how I'm going to approach it. And I'm going to step back and take myself out of it. So I've not had that opportunity, so I, I don't have anything to else to contribute, but I'm, I think what Neil and Rich have shared is very good. Um, on a slightly different topic, uh, I just want to make sure this doesn't get missed. We're talking about this. Um, you know, a lot of sports and rec ministers, we're assertive, aggressive. We go get, a, go get it. But I would say <clears throat> for longevity in ministry, um, whether you stay in sports rec ministry your entire time or you transition to a different position, you've got to find balance with ministry and family, right? And Andy Stanley, I think, said at first, cheat the church. <clears throat> and so at first you're like, wait, that doesn't sound right. But, um, you know, at my first church, I was the first one there. We, we started a sports ministry, you know, first person in that position. And the ministry was just going gangbusters. It was doing really well. Um, and so uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Like I loved to work because I just got immediate gratification from it. Things did well. And, you know, a couple of years, a few years into that, my wife says, that's great. But keep this up and you're not going to have a family. And so um, so with all of this that we're, we're talking through, I just want to encourage and, and remind us um, don't serve your church at the expense of your family. Churches will come and go. I'm at my fourth church now. I've loved every church that I've been at, love where I'm at now. Um, but they've come and gone for me. Um, but my family I, is still there. And your family is there for, for life, um, God willing. And so just, just with all this talk, I just wanted to remind us of that perspective. Amen. Amen. Your number one ministry is your family. If we lose sight of that, we're in trouble. I don't think that's not part of the equation of transitional periods too, right? So I think about a little bit uh, as we, as we serve at, uh, you know, from my younger years, I was in, you know, uh, Northern Africa, Middle East, young family, you know, early years of ministry. Then I, then I came back to the States and I was at that middle age base, my kids, in a gym and served here and now they're gone. Now I have two little granddaughters and it's like, I'm, I'm ready to have weekends free kind of thing. Right. I don't even know what that's like. I'm, I'm adjusting to that now. And, and I think some of the family all through every phase of it is that transitional. It's being mindful. That one doesn't change across the board. I think it's a really good point. You know, Greg, one thing that, that I try to do uh, as I transitioned out, one practical thing is 
day one that I, I transitioned, like I had to go get new clothes. I mean, all, all my, all my stuff was like sweats and hats and shirts of cool spring wreck. I mean, that's, that's all I own. And, and people laugh at me now when I show up to work and it's like, you actually have real clothes kind of thing. But that was a, that was a decision I made to, to separate myself from Shane having the opportunity to, to don that and wear that and own that. Cause when I walked through the rec center, that logo just, it separates you kind of thing. The other thing I did is I gave him two full pages of, of 50 bullet points. I said, this is not in your job description. And I'm writing this on paper. They come in no order. But these are things that hit my mind every day that I come in. And I promise you in three weeks, you're going to say, uh, I get why he didn't make that decision that way. Or I understand this differently now. And by giving him that sheet, I wasn't telling him what to do. I was just letting those aha moments unfold. And as Neil says, comes back and they can ask the question. Hey, tell me a little bit more. I saw where you wrote that down and I'm seeing it different now. Can you help me with that? So part of that humility and, 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 and giving them not blind direction, but hey, here's some bullet points. Pay attention to it. It's going to happen. Uh, so I think there's some practical things that you can do in a transition. And I think uh, too many times we don't help people transition well. And as, as leaders, it needs to be on our radar. If there is a transition, if we're in a transition, we need to know the practical applications of how to do that well. And it just, it, it, you want to get people off to a good start in their position and you want to get to a good start in your position. So those are some very simple practical things. I just said, I got to do these things. This, this whole thing about in some ways you take on a new persona and you do have to dress the part. And that I think you can't overlook that because a lot of the folks that are going to be thinking about you as a, as a middle manager position or an executive pastor, or even a senior pastor, uh, if you're wearing sweats all the time, you're not going to get that job. That's just, that's just the way it is. And the family thing, I'll tell you also some of the, the research and things that we've become aware of is that there are four main things that take people out of ministry altogether, harking back a little bit. The first one I think may surprise me, power issues, that you have to win every argument, that every single staff meeting, your way has to be the way. And we, and we don't think about that, but you know, that stuff uh, comes about and you are, if, if, you're, if you're arguing with your staff, Rich talking about the 360 leadership, whether it's those that you supervise and you have to win every time or your peers, you have to win every time, or particularly those that are your supervisors, you're not going to last long. The second thing is we've mentioned before is finance, that you don't take care of your finance. The third thing is just your personal integrity. And this can do anything from you say you're going to do stuff and you don't do it. And that old adage of under promise and overproduce don't don't think of it as a, a, as a gimmick, but make sure that rather than making it a gimmick, make sure that you, what you say is absolutely possible, that you can actually do it. They'll, they'll forgive you if you don't get one out of 10, but if you're missing nine out of 10 or even four out of 10, it, it's, it's a problem. Your personal integrity also has to do with illicit relationships. We don't have to talk about that. You know what that is. You're not abusing anybody. And, and you're not involved in any kind of sexual or any kind of other relationships. But that's the third thing that takes people out is that personal integrity. And the last one is physical health. That you, you're the sports minister, but 
you quit working out. And you may be coaching the team, but because you're the minister, you don't want to you you don't want to play yourself in that game. And so you don't get any exercise and physical health can take you out. So this is something that also keeps us from transitioning. Uh, guys, we're, we're kind of coming down to our last, uh, you know, go round here. And I'm just interested, kind of like Dave threw out us, at us. Um, you know, this is something that's important. You got to keep her, got to keep your family, you got to do that. And I'll, I'll say one thing to that. And then anything that you guys want to say that we haven't really brought up, that's hot on your heart. I'm going to tell you how you keep your family first. And that is that you go to your family and have your family meetings first. And you put your family on the calendar first. So that when you go into the staff meeting and they say, can you get together on such and such a day and time? You say, I've got a previous commitment. Sorry. They never ask, is it your family? But, but you have it. And then you go around the room a second time and, and they come back. You say, okay, can you do something with that other commitment? And you say, well, this has been on the calendar for a long time and it'd be really hard for me to change. If they come to you a third time, then you need to go home and say, folks, nine out of 10 times the family came first. This is me keeping my job. I got to do this one time. And you know what? It's okay. So have your family meeting first. That'll keep them going. Okay, Neil, Rich, Dave, you guys, what do you want to bring out to this group before we close up or speak to anything you've heard? Well, I just got uh, one thing, Greg, as kudos to calendaring. Anything that matters to you, you put on the calendar. And so what is your top priority? I think that's important for the family there. I want to reference another Erwin McManus book that I think is uh, great for anybody in any, just in life in general. It's called The Last Arrow. And uh, the tagline is save nothing for the next life. So just wherever God planted you, grow there, live with passion, uh, trust him in the journey, but give it everything you have because tomorrow's not promised. And uh, so there's a lot of opportunity to grow where God's placed you. And, and, and my prayer every day, whether it was a sports ministry or what I'm doing now was simply this. God, I know you have great plans for me today. Let me partner with you in achieving those, those things. And, and then I can lay my head on the pillow at night and say, God, I've given you my best. So that's my final thoughts. Um, I have two things. One, I would like to de debunk the, um, the wardrobe uh, thing that we just talked about. I've seen Rich Green's dress before and after. All he wears is Cleveland Browns and Purdue garbage. <laughs> There you go. So somehow it has worked out for him. Don't so, uh, I would like to debunk that theory right now. So that's one. Uh, two, I, I, I think it is super important for everyone on here or that, re that watches this. You are doing something great. I mean, and you are doing something really amazing. And what, what Rich said earlier about never lose that wonder, it, it's easy to get wrapped up in the day-to-day I'm going to serve at the local church, sports ministry. What's God have in store today? But I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. Because it, from a guy who's been in ministry for 23 years, my sports ministry time, it, it's crazy how quick it went. And I look back and I'm like, man, it was a flash. And um, so just just take it in what you're doing I, I, and encourage you to be an ambassador and up that uh, a little bit. So. Um, if you're not doing that already now, make sure that you are doing that because 
we have got to keep this thing going in the next generation. Sports ministry is vital. Yeah, don't know if I have any more great parting words. Maybe I should have saved my statement about Keep the Church for, for this last segment. But um, yeah, I'd just reiterate that, um, you know, a couple of verses that jumped out to me as I was um, praying through this and thinking through this was, uh, there's a couple in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines in his steps. And it, it's not it's not bad to be ambitious, to have goals, um, to, to put together a plan. Um, so I remember when I first started in sports ministry and attended my first CSRM summit, I was like, man, one day I want to be, I want to lead a workshop at CSRM summit. And that, because to me that represented, I, I want God to invest something in me that is worth sharing with others. And so, and then I got an opportunity to do that. And I was like, man, this is, this is just incredible. So it's not bad to have dreams. It's not bad to have goals. Please don't hear us saying that. It's, it's not bad to, um, to set your sights on things. Um, but just, just realize that uh, the Lord determines your steps and, and, um, and seek, seek him and serve him um, more than just your own ambition or drive with that. So, um, so that's what I have to share. Anything else? Any of you guys? Greg, any concluding thoughts for us? You know, every time uh, I'm a part of this or every time I'm around these guys who I've been able to attend their workshops, have one-on-one -on -one conversations with them and share in this process. And it's, uh, I always feel like I could I could take hell with a squirt gun right now. You know, I mean that's that's the passion of the Lord, that's the passion of the service, that's the the desire for outreach. That that's what you get in this community. And it doesn't really matter where the position are of what we're doing. There's a uni unification in that that I think is 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 part of this uh, the sports and recreation minister group. I, I think we're like Olymp I think we're like Olympians. You're never a former Olympian. Once an Olympian, always an Olympian. And I think that you can hear that heartbeat here today. So thanks for being here. As we wrap this up, I want to thank each of the conversationalists today and, and pick up a little bit what Greg just mentioned. We hope that each of you have a long-term ministry. And that's part of why CSRM exists and part of what we try to do in I can tell you that some of my, my greatest joys have been to hang out with these folks and other folks like them. And when we get together, we have fun, we laugh, we, we ridicule each other, uh, and yet it's always a good time. And we just, we just are encouraging you to stay involved and stay in contact with one another. Please do go to the CSRM website. There's a lot of resources. Go to Overwhelming Victory Press. We've got books. Some of these guys have even added their uh, parts to those books. It's just, it's just great resources. And don't forget the podcasts that come out every week. Get on the list to receive those. And you can either watch them or listen to them. Don't forget you can get your certification. Don't forget you can get a master's degree. All these things that, that 
we have out there for you. And if you have not heard, we want you to know that the REACH gathering that CSRM is one of the foundational partners for has moved to September of this year. So typically we were having it in April, but because of COVID, it's still going to be in North Carolina. And it's going to be that's, uh, I think it's the 12th or 14th, something like that, the second full week of September, Tuesday to Thursday. We really want you to come there. There's going to be some great stuff. So please do uh, avail yourself of all these resources and contact these guys and talk to them. Uh, things that the books and the references and that metrics that uh, Dave Bundrick has developed has been used by churches all over the world. And there's just some really, really excellent things. So before we close off, is uh, any of the, the, the conversationalists, any last words? It was a privilege being with you guys today. And thank you all um, for your time. It's, it, this is always an encouraging thing for me personally. So it was a privilege. Yeah, I'm just honored to be with Dave and Neil. Just happy to be here. Yeah, and I would just say uh, just so grateful for CSRM and just being a great resource um, uh, to me during my my ministry and uh, just the lifelong friendships that were developed um, and attending those conferences were huge. And so just encourage anybody that's watching this, um, yeah, take, take advantage of the resources you've got through CSRM. All right. You've seen it on the chat room. The next one, I believe, is February 23rd. Dan, is that right? 23rd. And uh, we're going to be talking about how sports rec and fitness can, can help in racial reconciliations. And we're the one place in the, in the church that typically brings people uh, in from all different places that even if they don't attend the church on Sunday. So we have a, a big role. And you can get the next ones on our website, the next offerings for all these things. Tuesday Talks are a production of CSRM and their video production house, Overwhelming Victory Flicks. Dr. Greg Linville is our executive producer, and Andrew Fouts is the associate producer. To find out more about Tuesday Talks or to join our next discussion live, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash Tuesday Talks. To find out more about Cool Spring Baptist Church, visit coolspring.org. And to learn more about CSRM, visit csrm.org.